Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Hosts Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got a call. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. Dun, 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 dun. It's the A-Team. No, actually, it's Cargo Cult. Hey, guys. Uh, Jimmy Mack here. Uh, my good friend Justin Wellborn, my Hi. co-host, is riding across with us. And James Logan has joined us again graciously. It's good to see you again, sir. It's lovely to be seen. <laughs> we literally just talked about the stump and with Peter O'Toole. And that is James' best British accent, guys. I've heard them it's, all, and that's, that's, that's the one. That's I was telling James before we got started uh, that John Huston, at the end of his uh, wonderful autobiography, An Open Book, which I would really suggest it is alone worth it for him and his friend as kids mixing nitro and glycerine and seeing what happens when they throw it off a roof together. The old Hollywood. The old Hollywood. Um, and by the way, he is old Hollywood. Boy, oh, he's yeah. the only man. This is really cool. He's the only man to direct both his father and his daughter in their Academy Award wins. So wow. crazy. Isn't that wow. crazy? That his father People that wins... know you best and also might alienate you the most. Yeah, exactly. Treasure the Sierra Madre, his father won Best Supporting Actor. Pritzi's Honor, his daughter won Best Supporting Actress, which is really cool. Wow. And, and, and here's what's really fun. Treasure the Sierra Madre is his first directing gig. No, it's not. I'm kidding. Actually, Maltese Falcon is. But it's even dead. even crazier, yeah. man. Wow. Maltese by the way, Falcon, Maltese that was Falcon. his first one. And by the way, that's oh. really sad. That's that's the year that John Ford said, why did they give me this award? He won for How Green Was My Valley. His competition was John Huston and the Maltese Falcon and Orson Welles for Citizen Kane. He's like, why am I up here? Why am I up here? He's uh, like, How right. Green My Valley. This will be on my tombstone. Oh, why am I here? You know, I, I love that, though. It's like, you know, Martin Scorsese, before he won his first Academy Award, somebody said, they don't mean that much, Marty. He said, tell that to John Ford. He's got four of them. Yeah, they right? mean something. They mean they, they, they mean they mean something. And John Ford really is in the high country. Um, but John Huston, in his book, an open book, uh, had a great line. Uh, James and I were talking about this, where he said, people should not remake great movies. Hmm. He said they should not remake utter garbage. He said you need to remake movies that are near misses. Films that come so deliciously close to being good or great movies that you can see what's missing and kind of jump in and remake them. And That's of course, Maltese yeah, yeah, Falcon yeah, yeah. is the third shot at that material. Uh, hmm. That Hollywood had tried it once under a different title and once under the once called the Falcon and once with a title that has nothing to do with it. It didn't work. And Houston had this crazy idea: I'm gonna go back and make the book. I'm just gonna adapt the book and kind of subtly hide the homosexual elements of the three major villains, but still kind of put it in there visually. We'll play some around. He does that, by the way. And you think about Ocean's Eleven is the other great example of the original film is, as you point out, is a cannonball run. James said that the original Ocean's Eleven is the equivalent of cannonball run, and he's right. We're going to have a party in <laughs> Vegas, and you're going to come along with us. AOA Eleven. AOA Eleven. 
So they're just missing Dom DeLuise as one of the uh, you know one of the eleven. Call Joey Bishop. <laughs> hey, let's get Don Cheatham to do an English accent. Oh my hey! God! He How about the finger? To do the repelling. I think that was the problem. <laughs> oh. Remember, the, remember the uh, in Cannonball Run, the uh, the the gynecologist, the proctologist. Oh, oh, I got to yeah. use this finger oh. here with it, that, that guy with the crazy eye. What's it, his name? it just ages well, doesn't it? it? It's one of these things. It's like Burt Reynolds going, "I want to jump your bones. You want to jump my bones?" And you're just like. We really said those things back in the yeah. early 80s. Another <laughs> Hal Needham directed masterpiece. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, bring the same jokes to the table. Maybe they'll laugh again. Yeah, you know, except for the fact that, you know, um, when you don't have Jackie Gleason literally actually asking about story quality and tracking his own jokes. By the way, you know, you know that there's no script for Smoking the Bandit. It's 60 flashcards. <laughs> <laughs> it's 60 flashcards. Okay. So one of the things that I loved about what Houston kind of said there is, as I look at Hooper, Stuntman's a little bit different because Stuntman is, a, is kind of a miracle. It's three and a half million dollars. He gets Peter O'Toole to sign in. The fact that that movie even happens is kind yeah. of a miracle. And, and it kind of seems like that movie. Like, it's just an oddity. I mean, that movie was nominated for best actor best director and best screenplay didn't win any of them but it seems like an acknowledgement of like this is something weird and special and should be recognized and entertaining too yeah, 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 it, yeah, it's yeah. that really weird kind of that sweet spot of being both fun and thought-provoking and well wtf i mean it really there's a real wtf guys if you want to watch Cannonball Run, if you if you're a kid of the seventy, I'm at Cannonball Run. If you want to watch Hooper and you're a kid of the seventy, right. sign up, have a totally, good time. Totally, man. It's on it. HBO Max. It's, it's, it's fine. Right it's out fine. There, man. But it's not. It's not in the high country. It is not great. Stunt Man, though, on the other hand, if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out because whether it infuriates yeah. you or whether it, it you'll have nerve, thoughts. You will have thoughts, right. and you will be entertained. It, it will move you around. It is a whether you like it or not. But you know, I don't. Like I said, I just. <laughs> I, I've never. I've never heard Bert. But you know, it's just like I've told Bert not. To do that, I guess the beginning of that movie is remarkable because they get kind of called out by the sheriff who thinks, rightly so, that a stuntman is dead. Right. And basically, Peter O'Toole turns to Steve Rells back and just says, "Roll with it." I mean, it's the equivalent of just just roll with right. it. Let's 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 fake our way through this and get to the other side. A stuntman has died, and this weird drifter is uh, guilty of something. Yeah, as I don't we, know, is uh, it ever uh, even? Yes, it, it, it is that he actually punched out a deputy in an oh, ice cream right. shop, and the That's guy's kinda... nose froze off, which is just such a strange part of the writing. I mean, I, I, I just want to say that the writing really is very interesting. What uh, Alan Garfield, what Peter O'Toole bring to it, a strange sympathy and a strange sense of, I mean, they're, they're talking about things like, I had a virgin once. I had to go to Guatemala to get her. And uh, she had one blind eye and a stuffed alligator that said, Welcome to Miami Beach. You can't not feel something in that moment. <laughs> you don't know what he's talking <laughs> about. They but stay on the guy as oh, he kind of just, just like looks off oh, into space. He's just And then they cut to the next scene, and that is an acceptable transition. That's it. Oh, like, yeah. So, and you can kind of see the, the brilliance and the upsetting nature of the tyrant film in it. Before I forget, I'm just, I'm, my friend is here. I'm going to recommend to both of you guys. Um, I went and watched uh, The Drowning Pool, but also Harper. Uh, this weekend as well, the two uh, Paul Newman when he plays Lou right, Harper. Right, right, right. The jump cuts in that, by the way, if you get a chance to watch it again, are just like there's one where Shelley Winters, um, basically, she's so drunk she collapses in a, in a bar room, but the <laughs> jump cut is her falling, and then it jump cuts to her collapsing on her couch at her apartment. It's wow. like brilliant. It, it, the whole thing, and, and I went back and I, I, I said, I'm really enjoying the hell out of this. I went back and checked out its reviews, and 
and they had the same feeling. Right, so I felt right, kind of right, good right. about that. You're not always going to like the movies we talk about. We're not always going to agree eye to eye. We want you to watch movies, as Justin said uh, just a couple of episodes ago. We're going to keep on encouraging you guys watch movies. If you don't like one, give up on it. Move on to the next yeah, film. Yeah, man. There's only so much air in the world. But we were talking about this John Huston thing of remake movies that are kind of close. or That are close calls. Or even if you're not remaking that movie, say, man, there's something good inside of that that's really worth exploring. And I think... And having James here would be really fun, and having my good friend Justin does so much dramaturgy work. By the way, that's a fancy pants word for making sure the story works. Um, <laughs> we're doing it in order. Doing it in order. Yeah, we're actually going to have one thing connect to the next, right. even if it's absurd or bizarre. Yeah. I would like to have a discussion, and we can have it through the filter of both Blues Brothers, 1941, and the tragic events on the first episode of the movie, The Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone, the movie, to talk about, I think that there's a great stuntman movie yet to be made, particularly set between about 1972 and 1982, hmm. someplace in that area right there. I, I, I think that if you were going to put together if you were going to put together a stuntman movie premise, given Hooper and its failings and given the stuntman and its, I guess, threads of looseness that don't always hold together, everything is kind of sealed by Peter O'Toole's performance. Where do you begin? What do you do? I mean, I, I, you know, I know that's kind of a wild question to ask, but I know we've all seen 1941, right? I know we haven't seen it recently. I haven't seen it recently either. I didn't right, ambush right, you right, guys. Right. We've all seen the Blues Brothers. We've all gotten a chance to watch that too. Is there a movie? I mean, James, I'm asking you, do you think that, you know, as somebody who is a creative beyond just being a stuntman, there's a whole bunch of other stuff you do. Do you think that there is a great, because there are allusions to it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that's not what it's about. Do you think that there's something about that kind of fits Corraldo? You know, sure. That Let's kind of, drag a boat over a mountain, and we're really going to do you it. You know, the idea that that there is a movie that takes in the energy of the making of Apocalypse Now and the making of um, the Blues Brothers and the making uh, and, and and the realities and the failures of Hooper and the stuntman. Do you think there's something there? You know, I think I think maybe if you took like a little a combination of like North Dallas Forty, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I, I like the idea of like a a seventies based stuntman movie, where it's just about them hitting the ground and taking the medication to keep them hitting the ground. Like I, I that know, almost I, seems like a, a reality of it. That's kind of what I wanted on Hooper. They they begin to touch on the damage that some of these people are suffering, and every time in Hooper that it gets to a real moment when Jocko's laid up and he's like, "This is the way you treat the temple. You let horses ride over it and get dragged through cactus and rocks, and and, and then I fall down in the bathroom and I'm just suddenly going to be paralyzed. You know that or that's a possibility." I, I really didn't want it to be maudlin. I wanted to see what these people were really going through. And it just kind of glances off at Hooper and begins to really talk about, especially with the PTSD kind of war, you know, uh, underlying meaning with Steve Railsback uh, character that, that, that he's carrying with him. What is that movie, man? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely has something to do. As soon as Burt Reynolds asked for pills, that's a reality. Like, he needs them. His lower back is dissolving around him you know right. hooper he, is basically the passing of the torch uh, essentially it's one generation with, to the next starts with jocko maybe that's in the movie maybe that's it. to it's where to, it's come you know, from to where it's going and it's already yeah. passing you by and yeah and that and that's part of the gag i mean like you know you you've got you've even got the burt reynolds character and the roscoe pico train what was his what was his <laughs> character 
What was it? Collie. Collie. Yeah, and, and they, they, now you've got, not only you've got the, the, the old school stuntman, the father, and you've got right, the, right, the new right. guy coming in, but now you got these also, these two that were kind of contemporaries, and one of them way, way more successful, but right. more of a leading man, and one of them more of a, like, the ground pounder, just the guy who... You who know, actually gets fired and is like, no, 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 don't call anybody up. I don't want any special treatment. Yeah. That is such a stuntman thing, too. I think Absolutely. part of the thing that I would want to see in that movie is what I know is the good-naturedness of these people. So often they show up on a set and they're there for 12 hours before they've even done anything on camera. They've already gone through makeup and hair and lunch and, and been there for hours and hours. And then it's just action, go. Well, you know, one of the funny things is that people say, how do you get another one of those jokes is how do you get 20 stuntmen on set? You you hire one and the rest <laughs> of them just show up in a lot Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.